listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Have you ever been standing up against the fence, maybe I'm thinking like elementary school, and wondering if you're going to get picked? You guys remember that? Like some of you, you don't have to think back that far because you're young, but some of us have to think back a little bit further of, of what that was like, wondering, are you going to get chosen to be on the team? I mean, it can be tough to feel like you're, you're getting looked over. Maybe to, to not get picked to be on the team or to be part of a particular focus group, or uh, maybe you feel like you're being overlooked for, for a job, for a position. Maybe you feel like you're being overlooked and like um, you're thinking there's like a school dance coming up or prom and you feel like no one's, no one's going to see you or pick you, so to speak. And maybe thoughts go through your mind like maybe you don't feel like you're, you're, you're good looking enough or you're not smart enough for, for this particular project or you're not uh, strong enough to be on the team or maybe you just, whatever it is, you don't have the characteristics, the qualities that are, that are needed, that are desired to, to be part of whatever it is. Yeah, I think for, for Christians, we can feel that way sometimes. What I mean specifically is we can feel like, man, God, God's not going to use me. And I, I use that word use carefully because that's kind of a negative word. I can't think of many situations where we would say we want to be used. But as a believer, if you know Jesus, your desire should be to be used by God for his good, for his glory, for, for your good. Trusting and knowing that he's a good, as Kelly prayed a minute ago, that he is a good, good father. So we can trust that even when we're just a tool in his hands, like we can be used for his glory. So another way you could say it is like, we want to be used by God to accomplish his purposes. But, but the question is, who does God look for to accomplish his purposes? I think so many of us, we feel like, man, I, again, kind of related to what I started with, like we feel like, man, I'm just not like, I'm not charismatic enough. I don't have the personality. God, God's not going to use me in someone else's life. Or, or, you know, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just too young. When I get a little bit older and have a little more maturity, then, then God will look to use me to accomplish his purposes. Or, or maybe you feel like, maybe you feel like your past is just too broken. You're like, man, I think about what I've done in, in the past. Like maybe it was 20 years ago. Maybe it was two days ago. And you feel like there's no way God could, could or would want to choose me, would want to pick me to accomplish his purposes. Because, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just too broken. I don't have, how can I have any worth or value to God? Who does God look for to accomplish his purposes? And, and there's a thought there like, like, what are the things that God's wanting to accomplish? Do you believe that God is alive and wants to work in our lives? Do you? I, I didn't hear it. <laughs> he, he is and he does. He wants to, to utilize people to bring hope to the discouraged. He, he wants to intervene in the single mom's life who feels like she is totally forgotten and looked over. He wants to, to have someone speak into that seventh grader who's struggling to wonder who she is. He wants to have somebody speak truth and life into that. 
He wants to bring salvation to a city, even like as conservative and quote Christian as Lubbock is, there are people lost and dying, going to, dying and going to hell all around us. And God wants to save those people. So who does he look for to accomplish his purposes? Who does who he say, man, I'm going to use you. Man, I see something in you. Who is that? We're in 2 Timothy, and, and Paul's been talking to Timothy about uh, so many things about the Christian life, but part of it is what it means to be used by God and what it means to, for God to accomplish his, his purposes through you. And, and last week we looked a little bit, Austin did a great job of looking at, and there, there's some people that are, are false teachers and are, are going the wrong way. And, and Paul's calling Timothy, hey, here's the direction, here's the path you need to go. But in, in chapter two, starting in verse 20, where we're at today, he leans into this idea of, of who is it that he uses to accomplish his purposes? If you're not already there, it's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 is where I want to begin. He starts off with this illustration. It's, it's pretty cool. He says, now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable now, he says a large house because particularly in that time, uh, people who, had a, who were utterly poor and had a, a very, very small house would really not have a variety of utensils in their home. So really, when he says a large house, we don't need to get caught up on that. He's just saying, hey, in, in a big house, there's all kinds of different resources and utensils that are used in that home. And so like, just to, to bring it into today's world a little bit, help you see it. So like, even in today's world, you've got some Red Solo, it's a Red Solo bowl, it doesn't really work. Okay, so you got the Red Solo bowl. You've got, um, what is this? Fiesta Ware. I don't know if this is still cool. When we got it, it was super cool, okay? And then we have um, some Kate Spade China that we've used like twice. So if you're uh, getting ready to get married, I don't, personally, I wouldn't say you feel like you have to put China on the registry because you're gonna use it like twice, okay? So anyways, that's not what I'm preaching about today. So even in a home, you guys see this over there? Even in our homes today, we have different utensils, different resources, uh, and they all have different use. Some for dishonorable and some for honorable. So like, um, I might use this little red solo bowl for who knows what, right? Maybe we'll, if we take our dog somewhere, I might put the dog food in there or clean up after the dog and put it in here, right? Like all kinds of uses. This, this I'm gonna probably use and have used uh, to eat some breakfast, things like that. This, I don't get to touch. <laughs> like, actually, my wife doesn't know I used this this morning, right? <laughs> she, and she's volunteering in the preschool, so she won't know unless you tell her. <laughs> don't tell her. <laughs> now, if, if we, uh, no, like maybe Christmas, Easter, maybe, maybe we might use it, but it's, it's, it's special. So even you, you can set, there's different worth. I, undoubtedly, this costs more than this, and this costs more than this. Right, you get the picture, right? Paul, when he says a large house, there's a few different schools of thought on it, but uh, most scholars, and I agree with them in this case, most scholars agree that he's talking about the, the church at large. So when we think about Christian community, there, there's all kinds of different vessels that have different uses. And man, I, I sat and wrestled with this for so long. And some scholars say like, the metaphor breaks down. I think Paul actually does something really cool. The reality is, <clears throat> I'll explain it in a second. Similar to like these bowls up here, even in the Christian community, we are prone to assigning different worth 
to different people, aren't we? Like we, we see, oh man, like look, like I, I hate this, but it's the easiest example. Automatically what happens in churches, I actually think it's a, like a huge problem of why sometimes churches are struggling, is we, we tend to think that the person leading worship and the person preaching on Sunday morning, they're the, well, I hate to say Kate Spade, but like they're the, they're the China. Eh, wrong. No. We, have all, we tend to assign different words based on your gifting. And I don't think that's what Paul is trying to say here. In, in a house, there's all kinds of different utensils used for different things at the will and for the pleasure of the master. Look what happens in verse 21. So again, the question I keep saying, because I don't want you to forget it. Who is God looking for to accomplish his purposes? We automatically think, God's looking for this man or woman, right? He's looking for the, for the China. Look at what he says. Who does he utilize? Verse 21. So if anyone, can you say anyone? Anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument. So special, don't read special like uh, on the platform, you're gonna be famous, you're gonna have a billion followers. No, special, a unique purpose. He will be special, and excuse me, a special instrument set apart. So that's kind of an Old Testament idea that carries through to the New Testament of, of being consecrated. So this is set apart for a special purpose useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Who is God looking for to accomplish his purposes? He's looking for people pursuing purity. He's looking for people pursuing purity. Listen, in the morning, if I got up and I thought, man, I wanted to use something really special. Today is a special day. It's the Lord's day. Amen. And I went to get this big old China bowl. You know what? If I saw it full of leftover dried up oatmeal, as special as this bowl is, I'm not using it. Am I? No. I, now, it doesn't mean I'm going to go outside and break it and throw it on the ground. No, I'm going to set it, set it aside for a minute. It's not ready to be used. It's not useful to me in that moment. As much worth as we may see from the outside, it's not helpful to me. You know what? Even Same thing with this one. Actually, even like uh, two days ago, this one of a bowl like this at our house was, had not been washed in the dishwasher very well. And so I just put it back. This, even though we look at it and think it's just plastic, this in that moment, if these two are covered with junk, this is more helpful to me than either one of these. Because it's purified, it's clean and ready to be used. God is looking for people pursuing purity to accomplish his purposes. Man, how many of you guys, you have thought, man, God can't use me. I'm no use to him because I don't have this gift or this skill or I'm not good looking enough or I'm not smart enough. And God's saying, would you just pursue purity? I have so many plans for you if you would cleanse yourself from the sin that entangles you and walk in purity. Purity, to be, to be clean, to be free from that which stains. Listen, sinlessness on this side of heaven, so meaning we're not in heaven yet, is impossible. So purity doesn't mean you're absolutely perfect and you never sin. If that was the case, well, we're, we're all out of luck, right? <laughs> Except for Jesus. No, purity 
is resting and rejoicing in the salvation of Jesus, the sinless one, and relentlessly pursuing to live like him. That's purity. To say it really simple in a way that you're more familiar with, purity is finding your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus, right? Like when I'm, when I'm living in sin and pursuing sin, I'm, I'm seeking to find pleasure in that sin. Or when I'm living to glorify myself, I'm finding my purpose in myself. That is impurity. So like a very simple litmus test for, am I walking in purity or not? Is this gonna help me walk in purity? Is, is this gonna help me find my greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus? And I love, man, like, uh, I know sometimes I go back to previous verses a lot, but it's because I'm trying to help you see how all the Bible intertwines together and the whole literary context would be the right way to say it. Look back to verse 19. And mine is bold. Uh, the CSB tends to bold uh, when he's quoting Old Testament. But he says, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Your purity is to never be understood apart from your identity in Christ. If you think it's just all about, oh man, I gotta, I gotta be so pure. Like you're always, it's not gonna get you anywhere. You're gonna stress yourself out. No, understand who you are in Jesus, that you are a child of God if you've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ because of his perfect life, death, and resurrection. And from that new identity in Jesus, you now turn away from wickedness and pursue purity. Ben Stewart is a pastor in DC. He says, your identity determines your activity. So who I am should drive my activity in the way I live my life. So again, just like for clarity, it's not like, oh, I've got to clean up my bowl so, so I'll be perfect and then God, God will love me. No, God already loves me. No matter if the world sees a red solo bowl, a brown fiesta wear, or Kate Spade China, he loves you regardless of the worth the world puts on you. But because you want to be ready, prepared, as it says, for every good work, useful to the master, we want to let our identity, our salvation in him, help us pursue an activity of walking in purity. He's looking for people who are pursuing purity. Well, how do, how do I do that? Like, does it just pull myself up by my bootstraps? All right, I'm gonna be pure. Do I just tell myself be pure? What do we do? Well, he tells us in verse 22. He says, flee from youthful passions. Flee means run like the Dickens. Run away from youthful passions. Flee, it's, that is, there's something dangerous, there's something harmful, so go the other way. And not like, oh, that's, that's cool. Like, I just thought about this. Man, uh, during spring break, we went hiking up at Caprock Canyons. You know, there's, uh, is it buffalo, bison, are the same thing? Are they the same thing? I'm genuinely asking, do y'all know the same thing? Okay, they're not? Thank you, Nathan. Okay, we'll just, <laughs> I'm getting mixed reviews. We'll just, go, we'll just call it a buffalo. Anyways, there's all these buffalo there, and we had seen them like kind of in herds off on the side. But at one point, Haddon, our little boy, was running on the trail in front of us as fast as he could. We're just kind of letting him run. Well, he turns a corner. We can't see him. And about three seconds after turning that corner, he comes running back the other way. He's not screaming, but his arms are up, and then tears are starting to like, come down his face. I'm like, what is going on? Well, I look at take a few more steps, and sure enough, there's a big old buffalo right around the corner. 
So he ran. <laughs> and mom and dad did too. Not really, but we hid, put it that way. Because it was dangerous. He did the right thing to flee. Paul's telling Timothy, flee youthful passions. We, we automatically tend to think of, of sexual temptation, of lust. And that certainly fits under that category. But he's not simply talking about lust. Any kind of evil desire that would lead you away from Christ, flee from it. And there, there's debate on what does it mean by youthful? Uh, I really think we, we could drive ourselves crazy. I think we tend to overcomplicate the Bible. Timothy was a young man. And Paul's saying, hey, the, the youthful desires that you have, run away from them. Like, so I think if Timothy was older at that time, he would have said, hey, the desires that you have as an older man, run away from them. Like, and, <laughs> there's no evil desire that God would say, you know what, that desire is not that bad. You can kind of flirt with that a little bit. Like, it'll be okay. No, whatever the evil desire is, whatever your stage of life and what you're being tempted with, run away from it. Whether that is sexual temptation and lust. Whether that's the, the, the desire to make life all about you and you think you're the center of the universe. Whether that's the temptation to, to let greed and jealousy consume you. Whether that's the, the passion to hate other people and live in bitterness and run away from forgiveness. <laughs> or I mean, what it means, deny forgiveness. Whatever that, that passion is that would pull you away from Christ, he says, run away from it. If maybe it's a passion to just always pursue what feels good in the moment. As a hedonism is what, like secular hedonism is what I would call it. So seeking to find your greatest pleasure in the things of the world and not of God. Whatever those pleasures are, flee from them, run away. So we, we flee, and at the same time we're fleeing these passions, we do something else at the same time. So if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, if here's this passion over here, to run away from these passions, I'm not just running into nowhere. No, he says, listen to what he says. And then still in verse 22. And pursue, so run toward righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So righteousness, I'm, I'm running away from these evil passions. I'm running toward a right relationship with God and right relationship with others. So meaning I want to run toward a lifestyle, a mindset, a heart beat that wants to, to live in a way that honors God, but also wants to love others as Jesus does. I want to run toward a life of faith, of choosing to trust God, even when it doesn't make sense. I want to run toward a life of love and agape. So if you're familiar with that agape, it's unconditional love. So I want to run toward loving people the way God loves me unconditionally. I want to run toward a life of peace. So because I have peace with God, through Jesus Christ. I'm not an enemy of God. I'm now a friend of God because of Jesus Christ. Because of that peace, that comfort, I now want to live with or in peace with those that I do life with. I run towards those and away from the evil desires. If you just tell yourself, run away from sin, don't do that, and you don't have a plan of what you're running toward, you're not gonna run very far. But you're gonna start running and then that temptation, that lure is gonna start, you're gonna look back and go, man, that was actually pretty good. If you don't set your mind on what is actually better, the things of God, you're always going to turn around. How do you, how do you walk in, excuse me, how do you walk in purity because you want to be ready to accomplish God's purposes for him to use you? You flee youthful desires. You flee evil desires and you run toward the things of God. But look what he says, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. 
Friends, you were not meant, I was not meant to live the Christian life all by myself. That's why like, man, if you're watching online, like not to call anybody out, but if you're watching online and you have the ability to be in church, you should be in church. If you're just like away on vacation and maybe you're sick today, I'm so glad you're watching. But if you're just watching because you didn't want to see anybody and you were feeling lazy this morning, man, you're missing out. And that's for all of us too. Like you're here, so way to go. But like, Ross, I was, it's not just about showing up. Like, man, just to invade your space for a little bit. Like if your idea of the Christian life is I show up on Sunday mornings, I sing, I hear a message, and I never talk about Jesus with anyone else the rest of the week. I never walk the Christian life with anyone else the rest of the week. That's, that's still not what he's talking about. He's talking about day in, day out, running. As you run from these evil desires and you run toward the things of God, you're running with people who are doing the same thing. Not that they're not perfect, but they're calling on the Lord from a pure heart. By the way, as a quick little aside, my dad used to always tell me when I was a young man and trying to find a girlfriend and all that, he would say, run towards Jesus as fast as you can. And every now and then look around and see who's running the same way. So if you're like in that stage of life, just a little, that's, that's free, okay? Well, all of this is free, but anyways. <laughs> Flee evil desires, you run toward the things of God. I think about, I've <clears throat> uh, got to do several weddings over the years. Perform them is what I mean. And uh, it's always fun once the, the bride and groom or the bridal parties are, are dressed and ready to go, there's a different level of carefulness that they live with for a few hours, particularly the bride, but even the groom, right? If the groom's been a goofball and a mess all day, by the time he's got his tux on, he's like, hey man, don't touch me, right? Like, don't, don't spill that on me. Don't get that on me. It's not because if the, if the uh, or it's even less for the sake of the, the bride and the uh, thing of Jesus as the groom and the church as the bride, let's say it's, it's the bride, it's not that if she walks down the aisle with a stain on her dress that her groom won't love her, but it's that that's a special moment and she wants to be ready for it, right? See, we, we pursue walking in purity, not because, oh, God won't love me if, if, I, if I sin. No, it's, it's because the Lord is looking to, to utilize you, to bring you into accomplishing his purposes and you want to be ready for that special moment. And unlike a wedding, you don't always know when that moment is. Right, it'd be nice if you could say, all right, man, April 7th, God's wanting to use me. So by April 1st, I'll get my life together. I'll start acting right. Like, that's not how it works. What if, what if right now, what if we, I, I, we finish the service in a little bit and you walk out the doors and God has a divine appointment to, for you, for, he wants to accomplish his purposes through you and someone else's life. Are, are you ready for that? Or have you been wallering in sin? I'm gonna give you a few quick handles, like, on this point to, to walk out with. You wanna pursue purity? Number one, know your temptations. Know yourself, what are your temptations? And he, uh, I mentioned Ben Stewart earlier, he calls it the wins and the wares. Like when are you mo more prone to, to giving in a temptation or being tempted and, and where does that happen? Know your wins and your wares. Second thing I would say is Know what stirs your affections for Jesus. That's kind of wordy. What, know what stirs your affections for Jesus. So know how you're going to pursue purity is what I'm trying to say. 
You can't just tell yourself, run from sin. No, like, like, what are you going to run toward? Like, is there a Bible passage you're going to read? Is there a podcast you're going to listen to? Is there a friend that you're going to call and say, hey, can we just talk about what God's doing in my life or how I feel kind of distant from God right now? Have a plan. What stirs your affections for Jesus? My wife would tell you she would mind me, mind me telling you this. She on Sunday mornings knows that for whatever reason, I think it's probably just spiritual warfare, but on Sunday mornings, her brain, like she, the thoughts she tends to get are more negative and judgmental and critical towards people. And so she, the way she fights that is she already like Sunday morning comes, she's already got a, a sermon or a worship playlist queued up, ready to go, right? I'm gonna flee this negativity and this kind of evil thoughts and I'm gonna pursue what's right. So know what serves your affections for Jesus. And the third thing I'd say on that is know who you're running with. Know who you're running with. Who could you call right now and say, hey, I'm struggling, I'm being tempted. Can you pray for me? Hey, I'm feeling distant from God. Can can we meet up and talk about that? Know who you're running with. God is looking for people pursuing purity to accomplish his purposes. That is about kind of you, you taking how you treat your heart, how you treat your soul, in this next few verses we're going to unpack, he talks about how we treat other people. If God's looking to, to, to use us, so to say, actually, he cares about how we treat other people as well. God, take care of our soul, walk in purity. What else does he say? Look at verse 23. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know they breed Quarrels. So that's, we don't say quarrel all the time. That's, it's a heated dispute, a heated argument. So man, uh, I love what Austin unpacked last week about how these people that uh, in, in Paul and Timothy's time, there were some false teachers who were getting caught up and they were obsessing over all these kind of minute areas of doctrine or genealogies or even things that we can't be sure about, kind of gray areas. And Paul, again, is kind of referring back to that and saying, reject those things. Don't, don't get caught up in all those arguments because you know they breed Quarrel. So you're going to have these heated debates, these heated fights when they're not necessary. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone. Not just the people you like, but to everyone. Able to teach. Now remember, Timothy was a pastor. and I think he's including that there. Hey, if you're going to do this, you've got to be able to teach the word of God. He says, patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Gentle. It's kind of an interesting word to think about in the context of what's going on with, with 2 Timothy. Uh, BDAG, it's a uh, Greek lexicon. Not that you care about that, but it describes <clears throat> gentleness as this. The quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. It's interesting. I think we tend to think of gentleness as just like just being soft and careful with somebody. But in the Greek, this word actually relates back to humility. That when you're gentle with somebody, you're gentle because you're not, you're not walking in this hyper sense, this overly impressed view of your self-importance. Isn't that, isn't that helpful? If I'm going to be gentle, I can't be obsessed with myself. I've got to actually care about the person in front of me and not think that I'm, it's all about me. No, no. God, help me see people the way you see them. Gentleness. 
there's a tension going on here in 2 Timothy. So he's, he's telling us, if you're going to be used by God, you've got to be gentle. But at the same time, throughout this book, he's called Timothy to this ferocious boldness, right? Think like back to chapter one of, we walk not in a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And he says later in chapter one, don't be ashamed of the gospel. And then he begins chapter two with be strong in the grace of Jesus. So this tension of, hey, you've got to be gentle, Timothy, and care about other people, but also there's this ferocious boldness for the things of God. So as I think about this text, but also take it into context of the entire book, I would say it this way. Second point, God is looking for gentle giants to accomplish his purposes. He's looking for gentle giants. So gentle, people that are not obsessed with themselves, they walk in humility, they genuinely care about other people, but they're a giant in the sense that they are not afraid to lean into the things of God and to walk by faith and trust that God is bigger than whatever hardship they may face. They're gentle, but they are a giant. God is looking for people like that who will lean in to the people who are wanting to argue and fight and say, hey, like, hey, I care about you, but let's not argue about that. Let's talk about what actually matters. So see, he says, he tells Timothy that you've got to be willing to instruct your opponents. So it takes some, some giantness, if you will, to be willing to engage with those who you know disagree with you. But Paul's saying, hey, you've got to do that, Tim. You've got to lean in. You've got to have conversations with people who don't see Jesus the way you see him, who don't see life the way you see him. But as you do it, do it with a gentleness. Actually care about the people in front of you. See, God is looking for gentle giants, people who will go behind enemy lines, who have the courage, the boldness to go behind enemy lines and to rescue them, but then have the, the gentleness, the love in their heart to lead them back to the safety of the arms of Jesus Christ gentle giants. And, and look what happens when you do that. Like, well, why is that so important? Halfway through verse 25, he says, perhaps when you do that, God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Man, if you go in and you're just a big giant and you're just like, what's up, I'm here, I'm bold about the things of God. You know what? When you do that, you're not allowing yourself to be a vessel for the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. And what does it say? Who is the one that leads them to repentance? It says, perhaps who? God, the Lord is the one who's gonna work in them. So if you go in all, all self-important, all big stuff, it's, almost like you're, it's hard for God to work through that because it's all about you. But you've got to be, gentle, excuse me, a, a, bold enough to lean in and say, hey, I, I'm not afraid to, to live the way God has called me to live. I'm not afraid to, to step into this difficult situation because perhaps, just maybe, God will use me to accomplish his, accomplish his purposes of seeing people saved, of seeing people return to the Lord. Maybe, just maybe, if I step out in faith, God will use me in some amazing ways. Gentle giants. you want to grow as a giant, a couple things I'd tell you to do. Ask others to encourage and challenge you. If you're struggling being bold, man, find someone, hey, can you, can you ask me about that? Can you encourage me about that? 
I had a friend, he lives in Thailand now, but uh, he would occasionally, at, at first it annoyed me, if I'm honest, Zach, if you're listening, but he would occasionally send me a text, hey, Brandon, I challenge you today, man, go share your faith with somebody. Don't do it as a pastor with somebody you already know. Go find somebody you don't know, go share your faith. And while it kind of annoyed me because it was like inconvenient, he was challenging me to be a giant. And I appreciate that. Ask someone to encourage you and challenge you. The other thing I would say is if you want to grow as a giant, spend time in the word, remembering why you can be a giant. Like David had the courage to defeat a giant because he remembered who his God was, who his God is. Third thing I'd say if you want to grow as a giant is ask the Holy Spirit to embolden and empower you. If you want to grow in your gentleness, I would say dwell on God's gentleness. Dwell on it, specifically dwell on his gentleness, his humility toward you. That he left heaven to come and serve you. The second thing I would say if you want to grow in gentleness is pray for specific people. It's hard to be a jerk to people when you've been praying for them, right? You want to, you want to grow in your ability to, to serve and love people well so that God might perhaps work through you to accomplish his purposes in their life? Pray for him. Ask God that he, he would help you see them as he sees them. God wants to accomplish his purposes through you. You gotta pursue purity. You gotta be a gentle giant. And the thing is, like, I started with this. You've got to believe that God is at work. What I mean by that is, like, if your perception is just that, I don't know, man, God saved me. I'm just gonna get up today and do my thing and go to school or go to work or hang out with my friends and you don't have this sense of expectation, you're probably not gonna want to pursue purity. You're probably not gonna wanna be a gentle giant because there's nothing to really look forward to. But when you start to get this, this um, I don't mean this in a weird way, but this vision, this picture, man, God is working around us and among us and through us. I wanna be ready. Like, I want when God wants to, to, to utilize me. I don't want to be dirty to him. I have to say, well, I'm going to use somebody else. Like, I want to be ready. The stuff cleaned out. I want to be a gentle giant so that God can say, man, Brandon's ready. He's prepared for every good work. Boom, let's use him today. Don't you want to be like that? I mean, God's people for a long time have needed reminders that God wants to use them to accomplish his purposes. I think about in the book of Joshua, they're fixing to cross the Jordan River. They've been, the, the, the exodus has happened. They've been roaming around forever and they're finally fixing to go into the promised land and cross the Jordan River. And Joshua, God speaks to Joshua and he tells the people, consecrate yourselves today. That should sound familiar. Purify yourself, set yourself apart. Consecrate yourself today because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Man, what a cool verse. What if every day you got up and lived, you know what? I'm gonna pursue purity today because whether it be today or tomorrow, I believe, I know, I trust God is at work in and through me and I wanna be ready for it. I'm gonna pursue purity. I'm gonna watch God work. Now think about Esther. She had to be a gentle giant. That, that, was, a, that was some nuance there. If she goes into her husband, the king, too, too early, he'll kill her. But also if she doesn't say anything, her people will die. So her family member, Mordecai, comes to her and says, hey, either way, God's gonna accomplish his purpose. He, God's sovereign, he's in control, but he would like to use you, Esther. Maybe, just maybe, you've risen to this position today for such a time as this. And she said, y'all better pray for me. <laughs> 
You know, when, when God's calling you to be a gentle giant, it's helpful to ask others to pray for you. She asked others to pray and she boldly, as a giant, went in before her husband but with a gentle spirit and wisdom, began to talk to him about what was going on. And then she watched God work to save his people. And friends, there's no better example of someone walking in purity, someone being a gentle giant, and then God working through them than Jesus Christ himself. As he hung on that cross, he was the sinless, perfect lamb of God for you and for me. It, salvation wasn't gonna work if he was sinful. Then he would just be another human like me, we'd still be hopeless. But because he was the perfect lamb of God, God could use him to provide salvation to the world. And as he hung on that cross, the sinless, perfect lamb of God, he was a gentle giant. Jesus could have at any point ripped his arms off and struck everybody dead and said, forget this, y'all are, are terrible. But he hung on that cross as the, the one who created the heavens and the earth. He hung on that cross as they spat on him, as they mocked him and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And because he was a gentle giant, salvation was provided to you and me. Pursue purity, be a gentle giant, and watch God work. We're going to have a time of response. And we believe that God's word demands a response. What do we mean by that? It's like, this is not just a cute little lesson and we go on with our lives. No, this is God's word. We always want to respond to God. So this morning, uh, in a minute, I'm going to pray. But what I want us to do is this morning as we sing this song, is give you the opportunity to come down front. There'll be some ministers down front that you can pray with, you can talk with about what God is doing in your life. Or maybe you just wanna come down to the front and just, just get on your knees and just pray. We believe, we know decisions don't happen at altars, they happen in hearts. But still, what a, what a cool way to kind of solidify what God's doing in your life by coming down front and just praying. Maybe you need to pray, maybe you need to repent from some, from some sin. Maybe this morning, some purifying needs to go on. Of, Lord, let me, uh, let me get the sin out of the bowl because I want to be ready to be used by you. So you come and just repent of sin. Maybe you need to come and say, God, would you create a gentleness in me, a love for people? Or God, would you create a boldness in me so I'm not afraid to, to live how you call me to live? I'm not afraid to engage with those, those opponents who disagree with me. Or maybe this morning, you just flat out don't know Jesus. But as we've gone through the whole service, you've heard little snippets that all of us are sinners and there's one savior, his name is Jesus Christ. And he paid the price for your sins on the cross. And three years later rose again. And because of that offers you eternal life, forgiveness, hope, purpose, and peace. If you would just simply Turn to him, call on his name, Jesus, I believe in you. Would you save me? I can't save myself. Jesus, would you be in charge of my life? Man, if you, if you pray that this morning, if that's your heart's posture this morning, the folks, the ministers who will be down front in a minute would love to celebrate with you. You just, you just come to them and say, hey, I believed in Jesus this morning and they'll give you a big old hug. It'll be awesome. However God's leading you to respond, I'm gonna encourage you and invite you to be bold. Let me pray for us and then we're gonna sing and respond. God, we love you. We're grateful that you loved us first, that you are the sinless one, that you are the gentle giant who holds the universe in the span of your hand, but at the same time, 
were humble enough to come and die for us. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 